Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Exodus chapter 28, verses 6 through 14. We are continuing to read in the book of Exodus, and we are in the section of um, God giving instructions to his people who he's brought out of slavery in Egypt, uh, showing them how they are to be his people, and he is to be their God, and how they are to relate to one another. And this is a part of that. Exodus 28, verses 6 through 14, before I read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word which you have given to us. Lord, this morning we ask that you would help us to be those who have ears to hear. And help us to hear what you are saying. Help us to have minds to think about what this would mean. God, we pray that you'd help us to have hearts that are ready to put this into uh, action in our lives. God, that we would be changed today by your word and by your spirit more and more into the people that you have made us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus chapter 28, starting in verse 6. Make the ephod of gold and of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and of finely twisted linen, the work of skilled hands. It is to have two shoulder, piece, two shoulder pieces attached to two of its corners so it can be fastened. Its skillfully woven waistband is to be like it, of one piece with the ephod and made with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and with finely twisted linen. Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth, six names on one stone and the remaining six on the other. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in gold, in gold filigree settings and fasten them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord. Make gold filigree settings and two braided chains of pure gold like a rope and attach the chains to the settings. Turning then to our gospel reading from Luke 8, verses 19 through 21. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before we read our sermon text for this morning, which is 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 24, we are continuing to talk about the resurrection, how that has implications on everything. But before we get to that, I have to tell you something that happened with my brother when he was in high school. And uh, I have forgotten most of the details of this story. And actually, that works well as an illustration in and of itself. Here's the deal. When he, he was in high school, um, he decided one day that he'd found this recipe for a virgin pina colada. And he was like, you know what? I think that sounds pretty good. I think I'd like to make that. And so he goes to, uh, to make this uh, virgin pina colada, and he goes to the kitchen, and he starts trying to find the ingredients. Well, the first ingredient, well, we don't have that, so I'll just substitute something else for it. The second ingredient, well, we don't have that, so I'll substitute something else for it. On it goes until he has substituted every single ingredient. He has invented some entirely different drink. (laughs) 
And then he drinks it. And it's disgusting. And then he declares, I don't think I like pina coladas. (laughs) And we responded, I don't think you've had one. (laughs) We have already looked at uh, one of the issues uh, when it comes to Christianity, when people try to substitute (laughs) and say, well, you can have Christianity, we'll just substitute this thing, we'll swap this out, and you can still have it, it's fine. And we've already seen one of those things that you cannot swap out is love, right? We saw this in 1 Corinthians 13, that without love, the rest of it, it doesn't work. Like, this is the thing Jesus even said, you know, the greatest commandment, love God, love uh, your neighbor as yourself, it's the, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It all hangs on love. So without that, you don't have any of the rest of it. We've seen that. There's another one that Paul's really on uh, in chapter 15, and it's actually what he's been looking at through uh, the whole letter. Um, not yet. We're going to wait on that. So, um, and that is, that is the resurrection of Jesus. And so apparently what was going on at the time is there were people who were uh, saying in the in the church in Corinth that you oh well there's actually not any resurrection from the dead like we don't actually rise again to new life after we die and Paul is just straight up that is not okay like there may be some areas where we can have you know differences of opinion on certain things and we're still all a part of the same church. We have some things that we disagree on. That's fine. We can still all be part of the same church. And, you know, the food sacrifice to idols thing, he goes over that. You know, we can still all be together even when we see this one differently. This one. That's when he says, you can't see this differently. You can't say, I don't believe in resurrection and also I'm a Christian. He's like, nope, that didn't work. And you can't have a, uh, it'd be like saying you can have a church without having people. No, the, pe- the, <laughs> the church is the people. And what Christianity is, is the resurrection of Jesus. Apart from that, there isn't the rest of it. It all falls down. And so this is where he goes. He uh, goes into discussing this and says, think about this. Think about what this would mean. And so starting in uh, verse 12 of chapter 15, he says, "Uh, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So that's the thing. Like, what we are preaching is that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And then there are people who are going around saying, yeah, but there's actually not any resurrection. All right? So think about what that would mean. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, he says, all right, let's go through this. Let's go through this thought experiment. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, what does that mean? He says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than, that, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And if only for this life we have hope in Christ, We are, of all people, most to be pitied. We're not going to end there, but we're going to pause there. Because he takes us through this thought experiment and says, okay, think about this. If we think about our place in the story of this whole world, because we are all a part of that story, 
that begins at the beginning of creation and goes on until, well, it depends. <laughs> Is Jesus raised from the dead or not? And so we have to <clears throat> ask that question. What does that mean? What is the difference for us? What is the difference for the world if Jesus is raised or he's not raised? Does that make a difference? It makes a huge difference. It changes everything. And, uh, I mean, think about this. The disciples saw Jesus go to the cross. And when Jesus went to the cross and they saw him suffer and die, their response was not, hallelujah, our sins are forgiven, right? Instead, they thought, we must have had the wrong guy. We thought he was the one, but then he died. We must have had the wrong guy. It wasn't until the resurrection that things changed. We'll get to that. So think about this. Think about, kind of put yourself in, uh, in this position of Jesus not raising from the dead. And it says, basically, what it would mean if there were no resurrection. If there's no resurrection for anybody, that means not even Jesus. And so that means Christ would not have been raised. And that means our preaching would be useless. Like, why would we keep doing this if Jesus weren't raised from the dead? It'd be useless. And then not just our preaching, but also your faith would be useless. More on that later. It said we would actually be false witnesses testifying that God has done something he hasn't done. That's, you can't be a false witness. And then he said, uh, then your faith would be futile because you would still be in your sins. Think about that. We look at the cross and we say, you know, this is where God took care of our sins with Jesus on the cross. And it's true. But we only know that because of the resurrection, Right? As I said, the disciples didn't see that when it first happened. It was only after Jesus raised from the dead that then they look back on the cross and go, oh my goodness, hallelujah, our sins are forgiven. It's the resurrection that actually proves that Jesus has the power over sin and death, that Jesus actually is who he claimed to be. But if there is no resurrection, then you don't get the benefits of the cross either. Then Jesus isn't who he claimed to be. He didn't do what he said he was going to do. And we would still be waiting for God to send uh, the Messiah or the Christ. And he says, if that's the case, none of this had happened, and those who have died in Christ would be lost. And that we as Christians would be the most to be pitied. Think about this. What did Jesus say several times? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. If we are following Jesus on the way to the cross, that means suffering and death. If there is no resurrection, it only means suffering and death. And so what Paul is saying is if that's all we have to look forward to is suffering and death and then it's over, then we're the most to be pitied of everyone. On the other hand, if there's something beyond the cross. If there is resurrection, that changes everything. And this is where, uh, you know, if, if you're looking and as far as you can see is the cross, 
no good. But if you can see past the cross of Jesus to the resurrection of Jesus, that resurrection of Jesus actually reflects back on his cross, right? And not only does his resurrection reflect back on his cross, his resurrection actually reflects back on our suffering and death too. And this is why he says, if there is no resurrection, all we have is the suffering and death and to be pitied. That's where we paused. We didn't stop. (laughs) Let's pick it up there again um, in verse 20, where he says, but (laughs) we've gone through the thought experiment of what if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Now he tells us what's actually happening. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since, res- no, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Again, we pause. And so after going through the thought experiment of what if Christ has not been raised, then he says, but he has. Now what difference does that make? All the difference in the world. Because if Christ has been raised, then that means that there is resurrection, not just for him, but for all who are in Christ. And so you think about with the, uh, <clears throat> the, the curse from uh, Genesis chapter 3. You've got Adam and Eve, and when sin enters the world, so does some other stuff, including the pain and the suffering and the death. You go all the way to Revelation and you look at what the new creation is like and those things aren't there anymore. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of his death and resurrection. And this is why in Romans 8 it talks about how even the creation itself is longing for the sons of God to be revealed. It's longing for the creation itself to experience resurrection and new life without that curse anymore. Um, And so Paul says, you know, those who have been, uh, those who are in Adam, and that's everybody. All people are in Adam. So we all come from that. And he says, everyone who's in Adam dies, right? But what about those who are in Christ? Everyone who's in Adam dies, but everyone who's in Christ rises again to new life. Experiences, so as we experience the death that Adam experienced, we also experience the life and the resurrection that Christ experienced. Um, and so there is, then, if Christ has been raised from the dead, then that means that there is life, and there is hope, and that the kingdom of God will come in its fullness, and that Jesus will reign uh, as the true king over all creation, as he does now, but will be made more fully realized one day. This is the massive difference. And in that, it's that, blah, 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 blah. If that's the case, we contrast these two. What is the situation of the Christian if Christ has not been raised? 
most to be pitied, nothing to look forward to. If Christ has been raised, what is the situation of the Christian? Best case scenario, right? It doesn't get better than that. To have life eternal with the God who created you and loves you, this is, this is a stark contrast. And he says, this is what we're looking at. The difference between these two. So don't tell me that you're a Christian, but I don't believe in the resurrection. Not a thing. <laughs> and so, um, <clears throat> but if we do, this is where we get to the, um, the last bit here. This is verses 29 through 34. Think about the difference between these two scenarios and then think about how that actually affects how you live the things that you do, your behavior, your attitude, the way that you treat people, the way um, that you respond to your circumstances, etc., etc., etc. He says, now, if there uh, is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. We'll continue next week looking at what the resurrection looks like. But here he's saying, this ought to affect how you live, the things you do. And he says, I mean, there are people who are being baptized for the dead. And what does that mean? We actually don't know. (laughs) But apparently, in and around Corinth, there were people who were uh, being baptized for the dead. There are several options here. One is that people had uh, who were Christians had died without being baptized yet, like they'd come to... Uh, believe in Jesus, but then they died. And so it's like, oh no, what do we do? It's like, well, I'll get baptized for them and maybe that'll count something. That's one possibility. Another is uh, that somebody has died who is a Christian and then somebody who's not a Christian is like, well, I would like to be with them later, so I should get baptized too. I should become a Christian. Anyway, which one of those is it? We don't know. It could be one of those. It may be some other thing. The point is, what he's saying is, they're like you people are doing stuff because you believe that there is a resurrection like why would you be doing that if you didn't actually believe it you're claiming you don't believe it because that's what kind of the culture around you is saying that's that bad company corrupts good character you're being influenced by the culture around you that says there's no resurrection that's not a thing and then as christians you're like yeah maybe that's not a thing and he's like no (laughs) don't go along with that you know that it is a thing because of Jesus. Because of he's, if he's raised from the dead, then there is resurrection. If there is resurrection, that changes how you do things. And in fact, think about the way that we're living now. And so he says, he talks about the things that he is uh, facing and uh, the hardship and uh, I face death every day. I fought wild beasts in Ephesus, etc. And uh, most likely they're speaking of the intense opposition that he faced there. But if I did all that with only human hopes, ugh, uh, what have I gained? But he doesn't. Everything. You read all the letters of Paul, and he very much 
has a view to the resurrection and to what it's going to be like when he is with the Lord after his death. And he is able to do the things he's doing knowing that at some point he's going to die. But that that won't be the end. Because in Christ, he will be raised to new life. And that uh, has a big effect on everything that he does. And it is the news that he keeps on trying to share with a world that needs this news. Because many don't believe it because they don't know it. I'm going to conclude with a section from the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't know if you've ever read this one. If not, it's a good read. Uh, In fact, you may want to find someone who likes to listen to books and then read it out loud to them. Anyway, as I will now read a part of it out loud for you. This is um, a section in the book. There's a little bit of spoilers here, but there's a... uh, this other, other world kind of uh, place that some of these kids have stumbled into. And in this world, there is a white witch who has cast a spell over the whole place, making sure that it is always winter and never Christmas. Isn't that like the worst thing for a kid? <laughs> always winter, never Christmas. So these kids stumble into that, uh, that kind of world. And uh, at this point in the story... Something has changed. We don't really know yet kind of what that is, but something has changed. And we have one of the kids that is, uh, has been caught by the white witch and is having to pull her sledge as she goes across the snow. His name is Edmund. Here's where we pick up the story. It says, Now they were steadily racing on again. And soon Edmund noticed that the snow, which splashed against them as they rushed through it, was much wetter than it had been all last night. At the same time, he noticed that he was feeling much less cold. It was also becoming foggy. In fact, every minute it grew both foggier and warmer. And the sledge was not running nearly as well as it had been running up till now. At first he thought this was because the reindeer were tired, but soon he saw that that couldn't be the real reason. The sledge jerked and skidded and kept on jolting as if it had struck against stones. And however the dwarf whipped the poor reindeer, the sledge went slower and slower. There also seemed to be a curious noise all around them, but the noise of their driving and jolting and the dwarfs shouting at the reindeer prevented Edmund from hearing what it was, until suddenly the sledge struck so fast that it wouldn't go on at all. When that happened, there was a moment's silence. And in that silence, Edmund could at last listen to the other noise properly. A strange, sweet, rustling, chattering noise. And yet, not so strange. For he knew he'd heard it before, if only he could remember where. Then all at once he did remember. It was the noise of running water. All round them, throughout, though out of sight, there were streams chattering, murmuring, bubbling, splashing, and even in the distance, roaring. And his heart gave a great leap, though he hardly knew why, when he realized that the frost was over. When Paul tells us, that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Our heart should give a great leap even if we don't know why. For it means that death has been defeated and that the curse is ending. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we do, um, we do see evidence of um, so much brokenness that is in need of healing. We see broken bodies. We see broken hearts. We see broken uh, lives. We see broken relationships. God, we pray that you would help us to see beyond the brokenness and the suffering and the pain and the death. God, help us to see the resurrection. And God, we pray that as, uh, as you are able to bring healing even to dead bodies, you can bring new life and resurrection. I would pray for all these who we have mentioned, knowing that you can bring uh, good and redemption and healing into these lives and these bodies and these hearts and these relationships. I would ask that you would continue to watch over us and to continue to to give us uh, signs of resurrection and hope and new life. Now that we would live as people who are resurrection people, we pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.